We just want the game back. There's so much talking about what these players are going to get, what they're not going to get. Like, just give us the game. I promise you, we will take care of the rest. Welcome to the Hard Count, the people's college football show. Everything you and I both know and love about this beautiful sport, it happens here every single day. We are live in living color Tuesdays and Thursdays as we are right now. We're glad to have you here. I say it every single show because I think it's important for a lot of us, for a lot of y'all listening right now, this is an escape from whatever you've got going on. Summer school, we're with you. God bless you. Throw this in while you do the homework. You're at the gym right now. Last set, baby. Let's get it done. You got this. We're in your ear right now. We're glad to have you a part of this. Whatever you're doing, we're glad to have you here. We're just talking college football. Kick them up. We'll have a good time. I just talked about it. A lot going on with the NCAA football video game that you and I both know and love. We gonna get it? It looked like we were gonna get it, and now there's a boycott in the works. We're gonna talk about that, give you our thoughts, feelings, concerns, because I know that we have both sort of gone through the ringer here these last 24 hours, hoping that we get the game. College football's if factor teams, not to be confused with it factor teams, the if factor teams. What teams in college football just need one if to go their way and then maybe they find themselves in the college football playoff. Maybe they make some noise on a very national level. I got a couple of teams that I want to talk through with y'all from coast to coast. I got five of them. So who are the if factor teams? We will explore that together. Let's check in on the Sunshine State. Because you got Florida, Florida State, Miami, and don't forget, we got the UCF Knights now joining the party as a Power 5 team in the Sunshine State. What is the status for those teams? Let's take it a step further. What's the mission for those teams in 2023? What do they need to accomplish to set themselves up for success in the future? And for one of those teams, what does success look like in 2023? Not just for the future. Got a feeling that it might be their year. If you've tuned into previous shows, you know what I'm talking about. Also, we're going to predict the Colorado Buffalo's record in 2023. That's right. It's schedule prediction season. So make sure you're locked in. We're going to give you a, a win-loss total, quite frankly, on what Coach Prime's going to do in year one. So we're going to tread lightly. We're going to go on the record and tell you what we think they're going to finish at. Whether you like us on YouTube, whether you like it on podcast, we're glad to have you here. We can't waste too much more time. Let's get right to it, baby. All right, so we've kind of gone through the ringer the last 24 hours, and it sounds like a boycott is in the works of the new NCAA football game with EA Sports. College Football Players Association, essentially there's rumblings that they're not getting enough to have their name, image, and likeness featured in the game. That's some players. Not all players, that's some players. And so to unpack this more, there's like a $5 million pool that EA Sports has to draw from to give the players their money, and it would come out to about $500 a player. And so the kickback is, for some of these guys, they're saying, we need to get more money. That's not nearly enough to have my name, image, and likeness in this game. And, of course, this kicked a hornet's nest on social media and just across the country. So here's my thoughts on this. If being in NCAA football, the video game, is your chance to make an NIL bag, and it's your only chance to make an NIL bag, might be time to reassess what your value really is. It's harsh, but I think that's real. Like, I don't hear Caleb Williams crying about this. I don't hear Drake May crying about this. And those are the guys that you would expect to have some sort of larger compensation do their way when it comes to this. But you don't hear anything from them. You want to know why? Because they got their money other places. Because they're getting a bag other places because they're worth that. Let me just say this. If you're worth a certain amount, you're going to get it. And it's not going to be grabbing $500 from a video game or grabbing what you, you hope to be more than $500 from a video game. 
hear what I'm saying here? It might be time to check the NIL valuation on on3.com and see, okay, what am I really worth? And if I'm trying to haggle over $500 in a video game and trying to keep it from happening, like, I don't know. I think it's time to look in the mirror if we're being honest with you. Some people are saying, well, $500 is too low. They're saying, JD, they're, they're worth way more. Guys that are playing in Madden, they're worth way more. $500 is too low. Not for my dude who's a scout team wide receiver and balling during the week and then runs out of the tunnel on game day. It's not too low for him. I promise you, he is jacked up about getting a $500 check in the mail from EA Sports. You want to know why? Because he's using that money to buy a game console to go play the game that he's now in. It's more than likely that he grew up playing this game that he's juiced about. Like the majority of these guys are fired up to be a part of this game. Mississippi State quarterback Mike Wright, uh, he, he puts them on his Instagram uh, page and he said something to the effect of like, dude, I don't care what you pay me. Put me in the game for $20. Just make sure my overall is correct. And like, if I'm Mike Wright, I am 1,000, excuse me, if, if I'm anybody in the collegiate space that has a chance to be in this game, I'm saying the same thing Mike Wright is saying. Mike Wright has the mentality that we all need to say, that we all need to have if I'm having a chance to be in this football game. I actually posted what Mike Wright said on my own Instagram story. I just said, Mike Wright, program guy, tagged him in it, nothing else. And he actually DM'd me from that. It was a simple message, and he just said, money greater than sign. Excuse me, I'll rephrase that. He DM'd me and said, memories greater than sign, money. Memories over the money. That's what he's saying. And that's what I think a lot of these guys that have a chance to be in this game are saying. They're like, we don't care if we get 500 bucks or not. We'll take it, but we're not going to haggle over more. I don't think there's a large majority of these kids that are upset they're not getting more than 500 bucks. I think all of them are just psyched to be in the game. And speaking from a fan's perspective, just give us the game. Just give us the game. Like, if you think not having player names in the default version of the game is going to keep us from getting the real names, you must not know who we are. You must not know that we've been about this life for years now. I tweeted something out and I had people in my mentions saying, I've been downloading rosters from NCAA 14, the last time the game came out for the last like seven years. I don't care. Give me QB 13 at USC. Give me QB 10 at UNC. Give me that on the back of the jersey. I'll find a way, I'll download rosters. Where there's a will, there's a way. All right, we're going to be okay. Just give us the game. Just give us the game, and we'll make it happen from there. Don't worry about us. We're going to be just fine as a college football fan community that loves this game. One other person got at me on Twitter and was like, man, just worry about yourself. Just worry about yourself. You're being a crybaby. Stop that right there. Stop that right there. This is for the greater good. Worry about yourself? No, no, no. We're worrying about everybody. Worried about everybody that's waited for however long to get this game in their hands and get college football back as a video game. Worry about myself? What if George Washington just worried about himself when he crossed the Delaware? What if Abe Lincoln just worried about himself? I'm not saying I'm those guys. I'm just saying this, hey, this is a time in history right now. And obviously I'm being hyperbolic here, but I'm just saying this is bigger than just one person. This is bigger than just one player getting their back. Like we have waited for a long time for this. Obviously, this is very tongue-in-cheek how we're saying this, but just give us the game. We'll take care of the rest, all right? So, EA Sports, the ball is now in your court, and we'll leave it at that. Appreciate everybody tuned in live. Listen, a lot of y'all are new. We're glad to have you a part of this. We're glad to have you a part of this program. If this is your first time, welcome. 
We talk college football 365 days a year. Doesn't matter if they're playing games or not, we're talking ball. So make sure you're subscribed, make sure you're locked in. We, we don't take a break. And neither do you as a fan. You watch ball from 8 a.m. to 2 a.m. on a college football Saturday, and we're the exact same way. So we're glad to have you here. Let's keep this, uh, this like streak we got going right now. If everybody were to like the video, the little thumbs up icon under the video, we will keep our streak alive of 100 likes before we get off air. All right? I'll leave it at that. We're at about four shows in a row since I've been starting to keep track of 100 likes. Let's make it five. Hit the thumbs up. Let's make it five. Appreciate you in advance for that. All right, let's move right along here. Who are the if factor teams? In college football and when I say the if factor I don't mean the it factor and I'm just mispronouncing it I mean those teams that if one thing goes their way if they can get one part of this equation correct they're gonna have a very legitimate chance to be in the college football playoff so I think the place we got to start with this is the Alabama Crimson Tide it's going down in Tuscaloosa and I think Nick Saban right now is pulling off one of the greatest unintentional slide of hand tricks in the country right now because everybody is looking at that quarterback room and saying is it going to be Jalen Milrow he didn't have a great showing against A&M is it Tyler Buckner he couldn't start at Notre Dame is it Ty Simpson we have no idea what he's doing everybody and their mother is looking right at that quarterback room and Nick Saban is like someone's going to play quarterback I obviously believe that I had to upgrade that quarterback room talent level wise that's why I went and got Tyler Buckner but Alabama's not going to live and die by who's playing quarterback. The question for Alabama, the big if for Alabama, is can they get back to bully ball, man? That's how Alabama wants to get down. They want to hit you in the mouth. They want to move the line of scrimmage over and over again and set up third and two. If Alabama gets to third and two 75% of the time, they're going to win a lot of football games because that's how they're building this thing. And I say bully ball, it doesn't just end on the offensive side of the ball. Look at the defensive side of the ball. And what has Alabama been historically when they've been reeling off national titles? See ball, get ball, a lot of fast, big human beings running around ready to hit you in the mouth. Those big, fast human beings, they're still on the defensive side of the ball. Last year, it felt like Alabama kind of got in their own way, whether it was schematic, whether it was an approach standpoint. I think Kevin Steele now is the new DC. It's going to be keep it all in front of you, play with your instincts, and go knock somebody's block off. If you're an Alabama fan, you're saying, we got the best ingredients in the country. Haven't had a class outside the top three since before 2019. I use 2019 as the example because most of those cats that are on campus right now are from the 2019 class and forward. So that's why we're talking about it this way. We got the dudes, man. We got the Jimmys and the Joes. Go cut loose. Go play bully ball. If they can effectively execute bully ball, Alabama's going to be in that college football playoff conversation yet again. We're talking so much about has Saban lost his touch. I say we. I mean, we as the college football public, not us on this show. You know that if you watch this show, we want it bet against Saban. Everyone's saying, has he lost his touch? Has the game passed him by? And it's like, dude, Alabama is two plays away from being undefeated last year. Saban hasn't lost his touch. I think Bama gets back to playing bully ball. That's the big if. And if they do that, they're going to make a lot of noise. I promise you that Alabama has not gone anywhere. Make sure you're locked in. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you lock the video. Like the video and lock the video. How about that? All right, we'll move right along here. Another big if factor team for us, the Ohio State Buckeyes, man. And the if for me is they're going to be really good. They're going to have a chance to make the college football playoff yet again if that new quarterback doesn't crash the Ferrari of an offense. Because there's so much made about the defense and what they didn't do at the end of last year. And we've talked about that here. I think that's a fair conversation to be had. But even so, 
there is still some C.J. Stroud-sized shoes that you got to fill at the quarterback position. Now, at Ohio State, you're about as set as anybody to make that kind of a transition from C.J. Stroud to the future because you got Devin Brown, you got Kyle McCord, two five-star quarterbacks. Most coaches across the country would give their left arm and whoever their kicker is to have one of these guys in their room, and Ohio State's got both. But the reality is you have so many playmakers around you you got Marvin Harrison Jr., you got Mecca Egbuka, you got Mayan Williams, you got Travion Henderson. Like, you got some absolute stallions on this offense that need to see the football. Only way you don't score as much as you want to score is if your quarterback crashes the Ferrari. And it's not going to be a thing where they kind of just, you know, dink and dunk and have you be a game manager and, you know, just make the easy throw just kind of cruising through the residential. No, no, it's we're taking this offense on the highway. We're letting this Ferrari cook. We are going four verts. We're getting the ball to Marvin Harrison Jr. deep. Like, you, you better be able to steer this car, whoever the quarterback is. Now, I believe it's going to be Kyle McCord. But I think that whoever you end up having, this thing is still built on scoring 40 points a game. Like, still, that, that's still the identity that Ohio State wants to slash feels like they need to have, in my humble opinion. A lot made about the defense. That's probably the other thing you're thinking about if you're watching this show and saying, I'm not worried about quarterback. I'm worried about the defense. The defense didn't make plays to help you last year at the end of the year. But even so, I mean, let's just look at that that college football playoff game. Are we even talking about the defense? If that kick goes through as time expires, as it turns to the new year in Atlanta, and they beat Georgia and likely go on to win a national title, no shade to DCU. Are we even talking about the defense? And keep in mind, the defense got better by nature of what they did in the portal, by how I think they're going to progress in the second year of that system under Jim Knowles. Like, I think the defense wasn't necessarily the only issue last year and why they weren't able to accomplish what they wanted to accomplish or what the only issue is if you look to this coming season. But I think the defense will be better. And I've said that multiple times on this very program because the roster at Ohio State, enormously talented. Have they won the Big Ten the last two years? Nope. Have they been the most talented team in the Big Ten the last two years, though? I would argue absolutely. Let's be real. It's going to be a two-game season for Ohio State. <clears throat> Outside of that Big Ten title game, it's going to be a two-game season. You go Penn State in October at home, and then you go to Michigan the very last week of the year. I would be surprised if yours truly and Nick Brake were not at that game in Ann Arbor, to be real with you, but you're more talented than both those rosters. As good as they are, you're more talented. So going back to the if factor, does your quarterback – do enough to allow this Ferrari to open it up and score how they want to score to play the kind of style of offense and kind of the style of game that Ohio State wants to play. Big if factor for the good people in Columbus. Another team on the if factor list for me is the LSU Tigers. And the big if for me is, is the culture, if the culture matures, they're going to have a chance to make the college football playoff. I mean, there are some people across the country right now, it's prediction season, or at least it's the front end of prediction season, which we're going to get to here a little bit later in this show. Some people are picking LSU to win the SEC outright. And it's not the craziest thing in the world. Heck, LSU could go undefeated, get to that title game, and then drop a game, and then still find themselves in the college football playoff. We've seen it happen before. So for LSU, the reason why I'm curious about if the culture matures, I don't really have a ton of questions about the roster. Like, there's some things that I think you want to see, you know, emerge, especially in the secondary. You want to make sure those guys that transferred in are able to DYJ. That stands for do your job. But I'm not concerned about the roster quite as much as I'm concerned about 
which kind of version of LSU I'm going to get week in and week out. Because last year, played four one-score games, finished three and one. Most famously, beaten Alabama, two-point conversion. Brian Kelly says, we want to finish this thing. Like, let's go. But the reason why, why I have this conversation is that same team that beat Alabama, they went and played Texas A&M, and they looked nothing alike. And you'll get some of that in college football. Like, you're, you're playing with 18 to 22-year-olds. It's impossible to, to speak in absolutes. But even so, man, I never knew which LSU team I was really going to get. It felt like we got a different team pre-Auburn than we did post-Auburn. So for LSU, if they're able to just decide, you know what, we're going to be the same team week in and week out. Brian Kelly's process, his way of doing things, his approach, that seeps in 1 million percent into who LSU is going to be. They're going to have a chance now. They're going to have a very real chance to get to where they want to go, get to where they've been familiar with going historically with LSU competing for national championships. The subplot here, and this isn't really a part of the if factor, but maybe the, uh, the side quest, if you will. Jaden Daniels got to unhitch the wagon. Did a better job of it at the end of last year, but they're telling Jaden Daniels in-house in Baton Rouge, hey, man, if you throw a pick, we'd never like that, but we'd much rather you take a shot on that 50-50 ball and let our guy go eat than you just tuck it and run and maybe get three yards. Like, you know, you got to jump in to swim here, Jaden, so we got to go deep now and then. I think he's going to do that. I saw more of that from him in the spring game, which I was encouraged by. So maybe Garrett Nussmeyer and Jaden Daniels, they kind of complement each other. And, and Garrett Nussmeyer's gunslinger ability, maybe it rubs off a little bit in that quarterback room on Jaden Daniels. So does the culture mature? Side quest, does Jaden Daniels cut it loose a little bit? I think it has to happen. Let's go out to the West Coast here and talk about another team in the Pac-12. That's a very big, big uh, if factor right now. They're kind of getting overshadowed. It's the Oregon Ducks. Your good folks in Eugene are saying, why aren't you talking about us enough? Well, it's because USC's got Caleb Williams. It's because Utah's won the Pac-12 the last two years. But listen, man, Bo Nix is coming back, and he didn't come back to just play in the Holiday Bowl. They've got big aspirations in Eugene, and they should. And the if factor for me for Oregon is, can you get better secondary play? Because the front seven was solid last year for Oregon. They bring back 65% of the production from a year ago on defense, 65% production along with their quarterback on the offensive side of the ball. Like Oregon's going to have a chance to be really good, but the Achilles heel last year was the secondary. Allowed 270 yards passing a game. Good for 110th in the country. That's not winning football, especially in the Pac-12 where it's just littered with elite quarterbacks. you got to be solid against the pass. That can't be the way that you lose the game. So for Oregon, if they can be better in the secondary, I like what the rest of the defense brings to the table. And Bo Nix, I believe, is going to just continue to trend in a positive direction. And Oregon's going to have a chance now in the Pac-12. Because think about it this way, too. The Pac-12 is brutal. It's also pretty wide open in my mind. Like, USC is definitely the favorite, but Utah's won the thing the last two years. And for Oregon, look at the schedule. They go to Washington. It'll be tricky. Secondary, better be ready to go against Michael Penix Jr. You go to Utah, and then you get USC and Oregon State at home. That's not in order. That's just some of the key games I'm looking at. But when you look at Oregon, I'm telling you, man, this team, if they're able to play better in the secondary, they're going to be a lot more of a complete team, and complete teams are the teams that win the Pac-12. I mean, look at Utah. Most complete team, I think, last year, and that's why they won the deal. So for Oregon, can you get better secondary play? If you can, and if you can win the Pac-12, you're going to be right there in the thick of that college football playoff conversation 
come November. Last if factor team I want to talk about here, let's go out to South Bend, Indiana. The Notre Dame Fighting Irish and Sam Hartman. I mean, he was probably the biggest addition via the transfer portal, not named Travis Hunter. And Sam Hartman, ACC's all-time leading touchdown passer. Like, dude's a baller. Dude's an absolute baller. You add that into a offense that has a good offensive line, brings back the majority of their run game from a year ago, bring back a lot on defense. I think Jordan Botello is going to pick up where Isaiah Foskey left off. So, again, we're continuing to buy Jordan Botello's stock here on the hard count. My question is, does a big-time playmaker step up at Notre Dame? And I don't just mean do you get, like, a good leading receiver. I mean, do you get, like, a 1,000-yard-plus leading receiver at Notre Dame? Because I think that has to happen. Same thing I was saying with Oregon. It's about being complete. It's about being complete. And even more so, I think you've got to be elite on the outside if you want to have a chance to make the college football playoff. We'll do this exercise right here. And it's not really fair, but we're going to do it anyway. Marvin Harrison Jr., the best wide receiver in college football. Everybody else is playing for second. How differently would we view Notre Dame if you drop Marvin Harrison Jr. on Notre Dame's roster? Just think about that for a second. The best receiver in college football, if he was playing with Sam Hartman, playing with that defense, playing with that run game, and then you had a freak show wide receiver on the outside, I think Notre Dame would be very much so a, a college football playoff. I don't know if favorite is the right word, but they'd be pretty high up there in the odds in Vegas, I'd venture to say. Marvin Harrison Jr. is an extreme example. Xavier Worthy from Texas, drop him on that roster. How do we talk about Notre Dame? You see where I'm going with this? There has to be somebody that steps up in a big way if Notre Dame wants to be in the college football playoff conversation. Whether it's Colsey, whether it's Chris Tyree, who's kind of transitioning from, wide, wide, uh, excuse me, from running back to wide receiver, whether it's Merriweather, like wh whoever it is. Jaden Greyhouse, who balled out in the spring game, whoever it is, there's got to be somebody that steps up in a big way and just is the alpha at wide receiver because then you can't just key on the run game. Then Sam Hartman has somebody to drop bombs too deep. Life is good in South Bend if that's the way you're living. And they got some tricky ones on the schedule. They got Ohio State at home, got Clemson, got USC. So, like, there's going to be a gauntlet here for Notre Dame. But if they have a wide receiver, they're going to be a very complete team. So that's the big if factor for me when it comes to Notre Dame. So let's rehash this just a little bit. Alabama, can you play bully ball? For Ohio State, do you have a quarterback who doesn't crash the Ferrari, whether it's Devin Brown or Kyle McCord? Two five-star options. Just pick one who's going to steer this thing the right way. For LSU, does the culture mature? It's the big if factor. I don't know which LSU team I'm going to get week in and week out, but if you know for a shadow, or if you know without a shadow of a doubt which team you're going to get, they're going to have a chance. And have a very real chance. For Oregon, do you get better secondary play? And for Notre Dame, on the other side of things, do you get a wide receiver that steps up, pounds his chest, and says, I'm the alpha? I'm looking forward to seeing it. But those are your if factor teams across the country. Appreciate everybody tuned in live here. Listen, I got a question for the audience. So whether you're listening after the fact on podcast or whether you're watching after War Off the Year, whether you're in the live chat right now, I just want to hear from y'all. Where do y'all listen? Where do y'all listen or watch, and how do y'all listen or watch? I've gotten tweets from y'all being at the gym, which fires me up. I've gotten texts from people saying they listen at work. Because listen, when I was doing my 8-to-5 job, when I was living in, in the corporate world, when I was ever able to do any busy work, whether it was you know expense reports or I was doing something else that was, was busy work without getting too far into what my job was, 
I was thrown in a college football podcast, and that was how I made it through the day, man. I didn't hate my job, but I definitely loved listening to college football podcasts much more. So I was just devouring that content. And so my question is for y'all, how, where do you listen? Get in the chat, get in the comments, get at me on Twitter, wherever it is. But we appreciate y'all being a part of this program. All right. So without further ado, let's keep this thing moving right along. We're at 62 likes. Again, if everybody watching live right now hits that thumbs up button under the video, we're going to keep this streak alive. I would love to keep that streak alive of 100 likes. All right, so I have complete faith in our audience, complete faith in everyone involved in this program. Thank you in advance for that. All right, I'm just going to say thank you in advance because I think y'all are going to do it. I know y'all are going to do it. All right, so let's keep on rolling here. What's going on in the Sunshine State, man? Let's do a little status check down there in the hotbed of high school football talent. Now, Texas is elite. California is elite. Florida, I think, is probably right now, most people would tell you, at the top of the rankings when it comes to talent from the high school level. And so I want to kind of take it a step further from just checking the status. I want to ask, what is the mission for these three? No, 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 not three, four power five teams in the Sunshine State, in the state of Florida. And let's just start in Gainesville. Let's start with the team that, that wears the, the state's name on their jersey or on their jersey, on their, on their apparel. You know what I'm saying here. Let's talk about the Gators, man. Florida, for me, the, the mission for them in 2023, I think you take the word trajectory and you put it all over the building. You put it on a T-shirt. You put it on the teach tape like we do outside our door and you, you touch it every time you leave. Like trajectory is the name of the game for Florida. Vegas has got them at five and a half wins. Whether you like that or not in Gainesville, that's where you're at right now. Okay, so far be it for me to tell you that's what you should expect from your football team. But the number I'm putting out there for for the people in Gainesville, the number that I think you need to achieve is seven wins. Seven wins. You need to win the SEC. Let me make a, a New Year's Six Bowl. Let's get one more win than we did last year if we're in Gainesville. And the reason why I say that is because last year you had six wins. You get seven. You can pitch to recruits improvement. We've said it on previous one-off videos. I'm going to say it again right now. Improvement. That's what you can sell to recruits because Billy Napier had his first year last year and a lot of people are expecting a step backwards this coming season. So the bar is set pretty low for Florida. What if you step past that bar and step past the bar that you set a season ago with AR on your team? And you can tell recruits, hey, you see where we're going with this? You see how we keep improving? Come be a part of this. Get on this train now, brother. It's pulling out of the station. Come be a part of what we're going to do here at Florida. That's the kind of pitch you can make to recruits. And I'll tell you this. That would fire me up if I'm a recruit. To be a part of something at the ground level and get to be a part of bringing Florida back, like that's exciting. That's appealing to recruits. And here's the thing with trajectory. It's not going to be like a super cool tagline. It's not going to be like the most entertaining you know, brand of football to throw out there for people. You're going to hear a lot of, hey, just do your job. Hey, play complimentary football. Do your 111th today for the state of Florida. Do your job for Florida today. Like, don't beat ourselves. Those are kind of going to be the taglines you hear. But the reason why that is is because you don't have that great equalizer that was AR last year. I said it before. I'll say it again. A lot of I'll say it before. I'll say it again during this segment. But with Florida, really, that's kind of the case because with AR last year, dude threw on the cape, stepped out on the field, and there were times where he's just like, yep, AR is him. That's how we're going to go today. You don't have a special player like AR that is visible at least right now during the preseason on the offensive side of the ball. You got two really good running backs. You got a quarterback that's played a lot of football. 
Got an offensive line you're piecing together. Got some solid wide receivers. Like, it's going to have to be complimentary football. The defense has got to hold their water. The offense has got to do their job. And you just can't beat yourself. It may not be a super entertaining brand of football like you saw last year with AR, but if you can get to seven wins, trajectory is the key word here for Florida, you can take that on the recruiting trail and keep building things with Billy Napier. Because you're not letting go of Billy Napier if you win five games. You're not. The buyout is too high. $31 million plus. I mean, you're not paying that. You're riding with Billy Napier here. So buy into the process. Buy into the system here, baby. Let's get some trajectory going, all right? Trajectory. Put it on a T-shirt. Let's move on to Miami. And before we do that here, make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you like the video. And make sure you're following me on Instagram and on Twitter, at J.D. Paquel. Thank you in advance for that. Let's keep on rolling here now. Let's talk about Miami. The mission for Miami in 2023 is erase the old you. Kind of kind of clever how we, how we did that lower third there. I'm just going to say this. Shout out to our, our graphics team. But erase the old you because the people that have watched Miami or at least saw year one of Miami under Mario Cristobal. They have this perception of Miami, and I don't think that is accurate to what they're going to be long-term. And I think last year wasn't what Coach Cristobal was signing off on either, obviously. Missing a bowl game at Miami, that's not what he came there to do. That's not what he is going to be a part of at Miami long-term. When I say erase the old you, I mean wipe those memories people had of 2022. Show them that last year was just a, you know, a, a fluke, if you will. Because to be real, last year at Miami, the car broke down. And whenever a car breaks down and you get it back in the car to drive it again, everybody starts asking. Everybody starts to have that little whisper in the back of their mind, like, hey, is it, is it going to break down again? Is this just what this car does? Is it just unreliable? Is it just not up to par? No, that's not the case at Miami, I don't believe. And for Miami, that's what I think you have to try and negate in people's minds and ways you could do that go win eight games the Vegas number is at seven and a half go win eight games if you do that people are back in on what Mario Cristobal is is preaching from a process standpoint I think you also kind of view 2022 a little bit differently because then you say okay well the offensive system that was part of the problem okay well the defense hey it looks like it was better than it was in 2022 and it wasn't even bad in 2022 Okay, Tyler Van Dyke, yeah, you know what? Maybe that was just kind of a, a down year. Happens. He was, he was beat up. System wasn't a fit for him. It happens. Like, that's the kind of memories you're trying to now reprogram for people that are watching Miami, especially recruits, especially recruits. So prove to the country that the you is not what they were in 2022. Erase the old you. Be the new you. We're having a lot of fun with words here, so we'll keep on rolling. Let's talk about Florida State. The Seminoles, this is their year. This is their year. We talked about it on the last live show. If you tuned in, I feel very strongly that the expectations match what they expect internally at Florida State. Like the public and what Florida State wants to accomplish in-house, I think they're aligned right now. And when that's the case, you know, your team's in a, in a good position. The thing for Florida State to me is establish your rank in the state of Florida. Establish your rank. The alternate titles that we could have thrown into this lower third for what Florida State needs to do in 2023 is finish them or cut the head off the snake. We went with a little more of a PG version with establish your rank. But we, we haven't seen it translate in recruiting just yet for Florida State. And that's kind of what we preface this whole segment in. There's so much talent in the state of Florida that if you were to win the state of Florida when it comes to recruiting and you're going to be an in-state school, like you're set up for success down the line. 
Florida State, they've done a lot through the portal, but it sort of feels like they're still trying to win over the high school level. Had a good year last year. Think about what Florida State is supposed to do this year. Supposed to, in a lot of people's minds, in Tallahassee, win the ACC. Supposed to, you know, be in that college football playoff conversation. If they do those things, if they win the ACC, if they're in the college football playoff, then you view Florida State differently in the pecking order in the state of Florida. Because I don't think Miami's going to stay down. I'm probably in the minority here. I don't think Billy Napier and Florida are going to stay down. just by nature of the way that both those schools do things. But if Florida State beats both those schools, yet again, if Florida State looks dominant in the ACC and does what I just said, what they're supposed to do, then recruits are saying, okay, that's the top dog in the state of Florida. Okay, maybe that's the school that we should go to if we want to, you know, do some good things on Saturdays. Yeah, Miami's good. Yeah, Florida's good. But if I can stay home and I can play for a team that's going to be in the college football playoff when it expands every single year, it feels like, like, I want to go play for that school. Like for Florida State, this year is about establishing that you are the big dog in the state. Just do what you're supposed to do. Establish your rank. Now, we're not done talking about Power 5 teams in the state of Florida because UCF is joining the Power 5 party, headed to the Big 12. Gus Malzahn, John Rice Plumley. they won nine games a year ago. They really almost won the American Athletic before they got out of there. The mission for them is just show you can hang. And that sounds kind of little bro-ish, talking to UCF like that, but I think it's a fair bar to set for them. I mean, if they win the Big 12, more power to them. I think they're a sneaky team. I've talked about it before. But for UCF to show you can hang at the Power 5 level because everybody is watching with bated breath to see what UCF does, especially you know, kids in the state of Florida are going to see what UCF does as they move up a weight class. It's common, right? You see a boxer or an MMA fighter move up a weight class, and you're always wondering, man, are they going to be up for this? Are going to be able to hang with these big dogs? I think UCF will, but I think a lot of it is being taken seriously at the Power 5 level and putting together a solid product in year one and showing, hey, it's not going to take a while for us to be competitive in this new conference. It's not going to take a while for us to eventually compete how we want to compete. And I'll say this, I believe in Gus Malzahn. He's one at the highest level. I believe in John Rice Plumley, who's also been competitive at the highest level in the SEC when he has at Ole Miss. I think they're going to have a chance. I think they're going to have a chance. I think for UCF, if you can be right in that, let's say, let's say seven-ish wins, seven, maybe eight wins. If you win eight games, like I said, for Miami, the same thing for UCF is true. Show you can hang, establish who you are in a new conference, and then start pitching that to recruits. And then say, you want to stay home? You want to kind of zig when everybody else zags? Everybody's going to Florida State. Everyone's going to, to Miami. Everyone's going to Florida Come be a part of the new Power 5 movement here at UCF. Stacy Gage, one of the big-time running backs. I believe he's going to commit here this coming weekend, it sounds like. UCF is in his top five, all right? UCF is in, in, in the top five for one of the top backs in the country. So I'll just say the Power 5 branding is already being put to work, but if you show what you can do on the field in a new conference, hey, now. UCF could be cooking a little bit. So to recap it for Florida, it's about trajectory for Miami. Just get, get last year out of people's memories. Erase the old you, show them who the new you is. For Florida State, you have a chance now to finish the deal. Have a chance to establish your rank in the state. Take advantage of this now. A lot of expectations, a lot of buzz. I promise you, Mike Norvell, he's not worried about it because they got their own expectations internally. But establish who you are and establish that rank in the Sunshine State. For UCF, show you can hang, baby. 
That's what it's about. Show that you can hang. I'm excited to watch all of it, to be honest with you. Very excited to watch all of it. All right, we're close to 100 likes. I'll throw it out there one more time. Let's keep the streak alive. Let's keep the streak alive of over 100 likes. The little thumbs up icon under the video. We appreciate you in advance for that. And uh, we'll keep on rolling here, all right? So thank you. Make sure you're getting in your, your thoughts, questions, concerns into the Keeper of the Q, Nick Break. Get in that live chat. Again, let us know where you're watching from. Let us know how you're watching podcast, YouTube, at the gym, at school, whatever. Thank you in advance for that. All right. Now, here's the thing. It is schedule prediction season. We are just starting to get that rolling. It's just starting right now. Here's what I would say, though. Be careful not to get caught up in that, that Vegas number too, too much. I almost thought about doing a Vegas number segment here. Maybe we'll do that on the live show on Tuesday, Nick. But be careful not to get too caught up in that. Right now, a lot of people are calling their shots. And we're going to be no different right now talking about Colorado. So without further ado, let's jump right into this. We're about to predict Coach Prime and Colorado's record for the 2023 season. Before we do that, though, we got to kind of just take an all-encompassing look at, at this team. We'll give you that win-loss total number in a second here. Believe you me. The roster has been overhauled. Like nobody has any idea what Colorado is going to be. A lot of people think they know. A lot of people want to talk about, you know, the, all, all the guys that have been brought in, like we just did a second ago. They want to talk about what Colorado was a season ago. They want to talk about what Deion Sanders was at Jackson State. Like, we have nothing to compare Colorado to historically. So all those comparisons you want to make, that's fine. But we have nothing to compare Colorado to historically. So that's the first part. Completely new team from what we saw in 2022. Here's what I will say, though. For Colorado, so much of their success hinges on the success of their quarterback, Shadur Sanders. And I don't just mean that in like a typical way of, well, your quarterback's got to be, you know, the focal point of your team and success with the quarterback equals success on the field. Like, I, I hear all that, but I think even more so with what this roster is or what we think this roster is going to be, Shadur Sanders needs to be that, that equalizer, that dry eraser, that, that, that one that offsets what this roster maybe is still figuring out. Because when you take so many guys through the portal, it's kind of a process to get everybody developed and acclimated. And so for Shadur Sanders, the thing is, hey, line is leaky. Offensive line is still trying to get their bearings in the first weeks of the season. Shadur Sanders, got to have the ball out quick. Got to be dialed in to look at what you're seeing with the defense, know where your receiver's going to be, put it on the money. That makes their job easier. You offset the need for the offensive line to be able to hold their blocks for like three seconds. In that case, got to hold it for one and a half seconds. Catch, rock, balls out. That's what we need from Shooter Sanders in that kind of scenario. Maybe the run game's struggling. Dylan Edwards, I think, is going to be a dude for Colorado here, if not this season, in the future. Cavassier Smoke, also a solid back, transferring from Kentucky. He's played in the SEC and been successful. I think he'll be good. But even if it takes some time, play some good defenses now and then in the Pac-12. Play some good front sevens. Play TCU early. Play, play Nebraska early. Maybe the run game is struggling a little bit. Shadur Sanders, man, we got to be dialed in. We got to have you have some success vertically to uh, Jimmy Horn Jr. or Travis Hunter to loosen up that box. So those, those linebackers can't just trigger downhill. So those safeties can't just fill in the run support right away. Keep the defense honest. Shadur Sanders offsetting that with how he plays. It's a big factor. Going back to this, last thing I'll say, the defense, hey, man, we're not getting stops. Like, Caleb Williams on the other side of the field, TCU and, and Sonny Dykes' offense, they're just rolling right now. It, Shadur Sanders, we need you, bro. 
make plays. Make plays. Like, we're asking a lot of Shadur Sanders because a lot is going to be asked of him by nature of how this roster is shaping out. And so when I look at Colorado this coming season, I got three concerns. The first of which being, I think the talent is better than you had a season ago at Colorado, which went 1-11. It's not saying a ton. But I don't know if it's elite enough to where you can win the Pac-12 conference in 2023. I think a lot of people would tell you nobody's expecting a Pac-12 title from Deion Sanders his first year as a head coach at Colorado. Maybe down the line, but the talent, I think, is still... A lot of it hit the portal for a reason, okay? I'll just say that. Travis Hunter, obviously not in that conversation. Shadur Sanders, obviously not in that conversation. But some of these guys... I mean, Savelle Smalls, we'll talk about him. Five-star player from Washington, but he wasn't the guy at Washington. A lot of ability, but he had to transfer to figure it out somewhere else. There's a lot of stories like Savelle Smalls within this portal class. There's a lot of dudes in this portal class to begin with, but I'm just saying it might take a second for this roster to get to the talent level you need it to be at to compete with the USC's and the Oregon's and the Washington's and schools like that. The other piece is the window to develop and mesh this whole roster with this new staff, it's, it's very, very tight. Like you got spring ball for a lot of these guys. For some of these guys, you didn't even get spring ball. And I cannot adequately express to you the process it takes to get everybody on the same page within a football team. There's a reason why head coaches come in and they're good head coaches and they have success down the line, but like their first year on campus, maybe they miss a bowl game. Maybe the, the, the roster doesn't even look at all like what they had at their previous job. And the, the results kind of follow that. Like, it just takes time to have your process in place, to have, you know, the, the whole program running how you want it to run, and for your staff and your players to be totally on the same page. Like, for your OC and your quarterback to be on the same page completely in a game scenario, like, that takes some time. And Colorado doesn't have a, a ton of time right now, to be real. You got spring ball. That's great you got spring ball. You play football like six months away from when you had spring ball. And six months is not a whole heck of a lot of time. It takes years to get on the same page. It takes years for your staff and your roster to completely mesh. Not saying they're not good players. Not saying it's not a good staff. I'm just saying the, the time it's going to take for that to reach its potential, I think is a little bit longer than what Colorado has in front of them right now. My third concern for Colorado is the Pac-12 is just brutal right now. Like, it's not really a down year for the Pac-12. You got Washington, who could win it? You got USC, who could win it? You got Oregon, who could win it? Heck, UCLA, they're going to have a new quarterback. They did a lot through the portal, too. Chip Kelly, you can't count him out. Utah won the thing the last two years. Like, it's not really a super, you know, great place to, to rebuild a, a conference. Or, excuse me, to rebuild a program, which Deion Sanders is doing. It's not really a friendly spot to get that done at. Previous years, you might have said something different about the Pac-12. That's, that's not the case for Deion Sanders this coming season. Also, in the non-conference, take a look at this. They got TCU and Nebraska. Two Power 5 teams on their non-conference schedule. Good for Colorado. I mean, credit to them for having these games on the schedule, but like those are not going to be easy outs by any stretch of the imagination. Matt Rule, year one head coach. They're going to be a tough team to play. You go TCU the very first game. They just played for a national title. I know they've lost a lot of pieces. Coming off a national title appearance, like that's not going to be easy for anybody. So you also look at the game against Oregon. At Oregon, you got USC. At UCLA. I mean, you, you finish at Utah to end the year. Like This is not going to be a cakewalk by any stretch of the imagination. So to get to the win-loss record that I have for, for Colorado, I think the floor 
if everything were to just totally, you know, go off the rails, I think the floor is probably two wins. Now, the ceiling, I think, for Colorado, if they could make a bowl game, incredible. Build a statue to Deion Sanders right away. If they, if they make a bowl game, we're being hyperbolic, but you hear what I'm saying. Like, I think six games, six wins, rather, probably the ceiling. So for Colorado, I feel a lot better to put their win-loss record, prediction at least, going into the 2023 season, at four wins, eight losses. Four and eight for Coach Prime. That would be a great start. Be a great start. Take four wins. Take four wins to the bank. Build on it going forward. Go recruit how I think Coach Prime is capable of recruiting. And keep it rolling. So four and eight for Colorado in year one is my prediction. I'll say this, though. Two things can be true. I can think it's going to take some time. I can think there's some time for this roster to acclimate and for Colorado to acclimate in their new regime. I also think that the other thing that can be true is I believe in Deion Sanders. I believe in how he is able to acquire talent. And I believe the Pac-12, especially when USC and UCLA leave, is going to be pretty wide open. Oregon's going to be there. Utah's going to be there. But we don't know what's going to happen with this realignment business. Heck, we don't know if Colorado's going to stay in the Pac-12, but if they do stay in the Pac-12 and we're just evaluating them minus USA and UCLA, Coach Prime, I think, is going to be in real good position to have a roster that's competitive year in and year out. So for Colorado, that's what we think going into the 2023 season. Schedule prediction season is very much so upon us. Enjoy, y'all. Man, look at that, 100 likes. Never had a doubt. I already thanked y'all in advance, so we appreciate y'all for that. Never had a doubt. All right, now, best part of the show. Let's get to the man, the myth, the legend, heavy lifter extraordinaire to answer some of y'all's questions, thoughts, and concerns. Nick, break. Nick, how we doing, my man? What's up, man? Um, got people, you, you asked where everyone's watching. Um, I think you asked more so where people were listening to the pod. Sure, but both. A lot we'll of people we'll are like, it. man, we're doing some stuff right now. Craig Fox said he's working cattle, listening live on YouTube. Let's go, Craig. Josh uh, watches it live or catches it on replay at the gym. Uh, CU Tigers in Germany. Heather working from home, watching on YouTube. Um, Mike listening from Tallahassee, uh, doing errands in the car. And Aaron says he's just trying not to get fired, uh, working uh, in the office. Let's go, Aaron. Let's go. Aren't we all, though? Man, how about Craig herding cattle? Let's herding go, cattle. dude. Program guy I've ever heard of one. Also, in Germany? Mm -hmm. In Germany, Nick? Football's big in Germany. The program is 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 global. Thank you all for that. <laughs> that fires me up. Yeah. We're very, very glad to have you all a part of this. That's incredible. Keep them coming. Get in the comments as well so we can go back and look at these. But no, thank you. That's incredible. Very, mm -hmm. very glad to have you all a part of this. We, yeah. us, ours. And everyone else who... Uh, Said where you are, we're glad. Most of you watching at work, though, so... Uh, Some real I, mean, I, I, I listen to podcasts while I do busy work, too, so uh, this is how it goes. Um, but we got some great questions. Um, first one I'm going to ask, hashtag AskJD from Desert Storm Airsoft. Can Brock Bowers make the Heisman ceremony, mm. and how does he make it there? That's a very good question. The difficult part about Brock Bowers making the Heisman Trophy ceremony is going to be two-sided. One, he's a tight end, and tight ends don't really get the love that probably they should get, if we're being real, when it comes to the Heisman Trophy ceremony. The other side of this is he's probably, if he's putting up numbers, going to have to split votes with his quarterback, Carson Beck. Like, I think there's also kind of that Georgia stigma that, you know, Georgia doesn't play anybody, and Georgia's got so much talent. So, like, I don't think they're going to force feed him the football to where he's going to put up just video game numbers, but 
there is, make no mistake about it, if you were given out an award for just the best player in college football, you could make a very real argument for Brock Bowers. And we've made that argument on this show. So what does he have to do? I think he has to emerge as a 1,000-plus yard receiver during the regular season. I think he has to score double-digit touchdowns. And I think Georgia has to be dominant as we expect, you know, as a lot of people expect them to be in 2023. But uh, yeah, man, it's gonna be tough splitting votes with Carson Beck if he ends up dealing how I think a lot of us expect him to deal. So Carson, so uh, excuse me, Carson Beck, Brock Bowers. Mm -hmm. I, I really do think Brock Bowers should be considered for the Heisman Trophy, but just like what I said, it's got to put up crazy numbers for them to get that done, Nick. Yep. Um, Javier Naito says, JD and Nick, uh, what are the schools you personally pull for? Mm. You want to go first, Nick? Yeah, I, look, I for my alma mater western kentucky university yeah. nothing special there what do you nothing special that's special with two conference championships since 2010 tops and, on top baby yeah, yeah. you know yeah. nick I, I would i would give my left hand for the cornell big red to have a conference championship since 2000 just one since 2010 <laughs> we've been down for a minute but yeah. the boys are coming back we you know this this is the year mm -hmm. got jameson wang playing quarterback Boy's nice with it. So uh, I root for the Big Red, baby. Cornell yep. Big Red. And uh, that's also where I played my alma mater. So we pull for the alma maters on this show. True to form. Yeah. True, know, to, true to form there, Nick. I, I never really, and this could be totally separate for everyone else. You know, like a lot of people go to Western. I'm sure people who work Cornell root for other schools. At, you know, they shouldn't. A lot of Kentucky they fans and Louisville fans at WKU. And I'm like, just because we're a, a, a group of five schools doesn't mean you can't be a fan you know man I, I think that's the best part about it like you root yeah. for where you went and there, there's some part of it too where if you got family ties you root for mm -hmm. you know some of those schools that are that are connected to you like for example I had a lot of family go to Baylor my wife went to Baylor I lived in Waco for a period of time mm -hmm. I like to see the Bears do where <laughs> do where I like do to see where? the ba the Bears do well that's that's how I feel about it but yeah I don't think it's inappropriate but no not inappropriate you know but you know but you got to pick a team yeah. You gotta uh, pick a team. Everyone else uh, who's watching, comment who you root for. Shane says on three, hey, I'll come right out and say that I would watch a rivalry between UCF and Miami. Hey, now, that'd be a lot of fun. That'd be a whole lot of fun with UCF now in the Power Five as well. Uh, I don't know if there's anything on the books there for those schools to have a rivalry set, but man, I just think all those interstate rivalries, the more that you can get, the better. You know what I mean? Like when Florida State plays Florida, when Florida State plays Miami, like that's just fun. That's just good for college football. And I think it could be a great recruiting tool for both schools as well. I think UCF probably has more to gain from it than Miami does. Because Miami, if you lose to UCF and the brand of UCF right now, people still view them as that, as that G5 school. But no, I'm all for it, man. If we can make that happen, I think that would be phenomenal. Uh, Riley says, Nick, that is way better than Miami. Zero since 2004. But, Briley, Dang. it's the Conference USA. Miami's catching strays this morning, man. It's Conference USA, Briley. That's you know? tough. I mean, you play who you play, though, you know? Yeah. Like, you play who you play. You take care of business. And, you, like, yeah. you let the chips fall where they may. Yeah. Don't be, I mean, top's on top, baby. You can't win a conference championship with Bailey's Zappi uh, mm. and scoring 50 points a game because your defense, you know, concedes upward to 30 to 40 a game. Then, you know. That's fun to watch. That's, that's video game football. It's unacceptable. It is video game football. And I, I you know, whatever, JD. Uh, Aiden, hashtag SJD, can Antonio Williams have a breakout year in Garrett Riley's new offense? Yeah, he definitely will. I mean, I think he's kind of a guy who honestly broke out last year. I think he's going to be someone whose yards per catch you see 
through the roof just because of the fact that he is their speed burner. He is the one who can stretch the field for them. And I've said this before. I think they probably have other people on the roster that could do it. I just haven't seen it yet. So Antonio Williams, I think, should be the guy that they're going to, especially for the deep passes. And a lot of what Garrett Riley does is set you up. So he's going to run the football. They're going to go no huddle, no mercy. You're going to be tired. And then before you know it, when those safeties creep up, because they're tired of having the ball ran at them four plays in a row, Antonio Williams uses that speed. Whoop! And touchdown for Clemson. So I, I think he's going to have a great year, and uh, I think he's going to kind of pick up where he left off last year. Okay. Briley asked again. He's, you know, really interested in, in my Conference USA. MTSU plays in the Conference USA as well, Briley. Um, WKU's arch rivals. Uh, a lot of CUSA love this morning. I know, right? Too much. I love You think too much? Are you down oh, on CUSA, Nick? I am now, you know, after, you know, it was pretty much gutted by the AAC. No more North Texas, UAB, FAU, you know, all these great schools and UTEP going. Yeah. <laughs> so it kind of stinks. But uh, Craig Fox. Shuffle. Lost in the shuffle of the conference realignment is the CUSA yeah. Yeah. departures. Well, Craig Fox is out herding the cattle, asked a question. J.D., my brothers and I go to a new team game stadium or slash stadium every year. We're big Husker fans, but we went to see Ole Miss last year. Where would you suggest we go this year? Ooh. Not knowing where they've been previously, J.D., Ooh. where would you say this year you should go? Craig, one, herding cattle, watching the show. You're a real one. Uh, Ole Miss would have to be a phenomenal place to go. Like the, the Grove is definitely on our list too, Nick, I think. like Going to Oxford, Mississippi for a game, the atmosphere – Whoever they're playing, I'm sure it's a good time to to be on the Grove. But I'll say this. I've been to the Shoe twice. Once for the game against Oklahoma a couple years ago where Baker Mayfield did the flag plant. And then this past year for Ohio State-Michigan. So, like, you know, pretty phenomenal games to be there for. But the atmosphere, it's just, in my mind, matched up so well with what I believe Big Ten football is about. Now, I haven't been to a lot of the other Big Ten campuses outside of, like, Indiana and I'm trying to think where else I've been. But I would say if you haven't been to the shoe, need to get to the shoe, my man, Craig. Going to get to uh, a game there hopefully this year as well ourselves. But, no, that's, that's definitely one there. Okay. JD, sorry, man. I no, you're good, bro. We said we have time for two more? Two, box. two more works. Let's yeah, that works. Um, but, but really quick while I look for a question, JD, why don't you plug the podcast? Yeah, man, good call. So, listen, uh, we appreciate all y'all that are tuned in live and on YouTube. That is our number one way that we do the show. We format the show for a live show on YouTube. We do graphics. We got the thumbnail on that. But a lot of y'all just like, hey, man, I got a lot going on. I got kids to watch. I got you know, school to do. I got whatever I got on my plate. And a lot of y'all go to the podcast to listen to us. And to be real, y'all have been crushing it mm-hmm. on the podcast. Like podcast numbers are superior, even 2x than what we had during last year's season. So thank you for that. And if you haven't yet, you know, jumped on the podcast wave, go hit us with the download. Even if you're not listening, just go download for the program, whether you're on Hard Count, whether you're on <laughs> Hard Count, whether you're on Apple, whether you're on Spotify, you can find the Hard Count with J.D. Pacquiao. Go mm-hmm. and search that five-star review, all that. So thank you for that. We appreciate you in advance. And whenever I say I appreciate you in advance, we genuinely mean thank you in advance because we have full faith in our program people who are locked in and riding with us and a part of this community. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Uh, Kay, always ask great questions. This one's a good one. What's a MAC team people should tune into this season? A MAC team that people should tune into this season. You know what, Nick? Let's, let's go off script here. How about Eastern Michigan? Mm-hmm. Coach Chris Creighton and the, and the Eastern Michigan Eagles, man. 
as a school, I think I think they are in a unique position and just fun to watch on action. So I'll, I'll go for Chris. I mean, he's, he's been there for a while, too. They've had some solid seasons. I think this is the year they get over the hump and have a chance to make some noise in that uh, in that Mac title race. Okay, man. Uh, well, we got one more question. Let's do it, baby. So I'm going to, well, JD says JD needs me on his show, or Sean says he needs uh, to come on the show, by the way, and talk, um, because it'd be a war. But, um, so shout out Sean, always in the comments. Last question, though, Aiden just recently said, who do you think's the biggest contender for Mike Matthews? I think Josh Newberg might have something to say about mm -hmm. that, Aiden. What do you think, JD? Mm-hmm. Great question. It's a great one to end on. Nick, appreciate you, man. We'll do yep. this again Tuesday. Let's do it Tuesday. Tuesday. Nick, you're the man. Appreciate Nick holding it down. I'm telling you what, man. Everything from punching the show to punching the graphics to answering the questions, like, he, he does, like, the job of three people during a live show. So we thank Nick for that. Absolute program guy through and through. Great question about Mike Matthews. And if you haven't yet watched the Inside Scoop on this very channel on the On3 YouTube platform, uh, Josh Newberg has a phenomenal story, and I'm going to tell it secondhand. We sat down with Mike Matthews at the On3 NIL Elite Series for a brief interview. And before we got the cameras rolling, Josh looks at the RPM that he has pulled up in front of him, the recruiting prediction machine, for those of y'all that are unfamiliar. And he's got a number of teams in front of him. I'm not going to tell you which teams they were. And Tennessee, at this point in time, is third in the recruiting prediction machine, meaning the most picks have gone in for other teams. Third most picks have gone in for Tennessee. And he asked Mike Matthews, he said, hey, look at this. You think this is right? Like, does this reflect your order right now in your recruitment? And Mike looks at it, kind of has a, a slight grin on his face, and he says, you know what, I, I'd move Tennessee up. I'd, I'd move Tennessee up to number one. And so, lo and behold, Josh Newberg puts in a pick for the Tennessee Vols. And I think if, if that doesn't make Tennessee the front runner for Mike Matthews, I don't know what does. But I'll also say this, I don't know exactly when that's going to be locked in. And I, I would not put it past the wild world that is recruiting for his you know decision to go back and forth among other schools. But it sounds like at that point in time, at least Tennessee – pretty high up on the list for Mike Matthews. So I would be hard pressed to not put Tennessee as the front runner in my mind, at least. But listen, we appreciate everybody tuned in, whether you're on podcast, whether you're watching on YouTube, we love y'all. I say it a lot, but this is a whole team operation, not just on this side of the camera, but whether you're listening and whether you're watching, you are just as much a part of this as we are on this. End. All right. So we appreciate y'all. We love y'all. We'll be back on the air on Tuesday. 11 a.m. Central, excuse me, 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central. We love y'all. We appreciate y'all. We're going to keep this party rolling. We'll see y'all next time.